0: Email offers to podcast at victorsalmon.com. I love talking about relationships and intimacy, and I love cross-promotion and working with other podcasters. Okay, let's hear about today's episode. Today, my guest, Intimacy Conamore discusses what it was like spending years building her professional speaking business only to have it completely railroaded by the COVID-19 pandemic that changed what normal was like for everyone. Today, we'll be talking more about adapting and what we've lost, and what we have to look forward to. So please enjoy the session on non-monogamy, coaching, public speaking, COVID-19, and more with my friend, Intimacy Connemore here on Intimate Interactions.
1: So growing up, my whole family, which was my mom, my dad, my brother, they loved steak. Mm -hmm. I did not. And... Not my mom, but my brother and my father would, like, make fun of me and be like, what the fuck's wrong with her? Why she don't like steak? Blah, blah, blah. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. 12 years ago, I was dating. He was amazing at everything. So, he could do my hair, which I am actively open and accepting applications for partners who do my hair because that's a thing now. And (laughs) he cooked steak to surprise me, <laughs> but it was um, filet mignon with bacon. Now, I love bacon. I love bacon. So I was like, oh, it's, it's okay. I'm not going to say anything to him, but he was the kind of partner who was intentionally extremely more attentive than what is Par. So he was like, you don't Mm -hmm. like it. And I'm not going to (laughs) lie. I was not going to lie. There's a difference between being Mm -hmm. quiet and then there's a difference between blatantly lying when someone asks you the truth. And I was like, I don't like it, but the bacon's great and the broccoli is wonderful and the rice is delicious. And he was like, what's wrong with it? And I was like, nothing. This is the best, most flavorful steak I've ever eaten in my life. I love the flavor. I just don't like steak. And he was like, what? And I was like, yeah, I don't. But it, it really is the best steak I've ever eaten. And he was like, but if you don't like it, why are you eating it? And I was like, because you cooked it for me. You made it out of love. Like, I'm eating a plate of love. Like, you know, I'm going to eat it. I'm not an ungrateful person. And he was like, if you had just told me you don't eat steak, I, I would have gone in the kitchen and cooked something else for you really quickly. And I'm like, it wasn't necessary. It's fine. Steak isn't going to kill me. Fast forward a few years later, I found out I'm actually allergic to beef. Uh. And so my body has been telling me for my whole life not to eat beef. But it wasn't like just super clear until I took meat out of my diet to specifically like try to figure out if some things that were happening were food related right so like you -hmm. you take everything away and you start reintroducing one thing at a time to see how your body responds or you take one thing away and see if there's a response so when I reintroduced beef oh my god it was very clear it is not good for my digestive system. My digestive system does not like beef at all. My mouth is a lying bitch, and my mouth is like, oh, yeah, it's, it's lovely. <laughs> yeah, it tastes great, but it does not feel good. <laughs> so, sometimes I'll chew steak up for the fun of the flavor and then spit it out because it is tasty. It does taste hella good. It's just, it's not good for my body, so... Yeah, that's that's totally fair. And sometimes I do. I didn't know how to cook steak before that, but he taught me how. So I can make a mean steak for someone I love. And those who have had my steak love it. But they're like, you don't eat steak? And I'm like, nah. They're like, well, how do you know how to cook it? I'm like, well, I've eaten (laughs) it. I know what a good steak tastes like. And then I had someone teach me. Like I can, I can make good food and not necessarily have to have it on my plate at the same time. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I love steak. It just doesn't love me. (laughs) I totally
0: empathize with those elimination diets. I'm currently semi-perpetually on a low FODMAP diet where I've eliminated most foods. And the few times I've tried to reintroduce foods, I've gotten really sick with a small amount of food. Like I'm talking, I had three blackberries two days in a row and was ruthlessly sick the next day. So it was like the first day of three blackberries oh, didn't make me ruthlessly sick. I just felt heavy and kind of gross. The second day of three blackberries, oh, that wasn't a good idea. The third day I started getting headaches, responded to it really badly. And I was like, yep, I'm just never going to be able to reintroduce this family of foods. That's just it. As a person in the Pacific Northwest who grew up with blackberries and you know, blueberries and raspberries to be told, I can no longer really eat those foods in any amounts. Like I can have like one blueberry or one raspberry when someone has stuff and it won't make me sick. And I'm okay with that. But it's, um, the blackberries were a hard loss cause I can't really even eat one without it contributing to a, to the le- lesser health of my body. Woof.
1: I feel you. I do. And I love blueberries and I'm allergic to them
0: hmm So talking about things that we both love and that we have lost, why don't we transition to talking a little more about being sex educators and standing up in front of people and saying, you know, dirty words and telling people they're not actually dirty words and helping people have more fun and pleasure and intimacy in their lives. Tell me more about that. What's that journey been like for you becoming this awesome presenter who had tons of gigs booked?
1: So that journey started as I just wanted to know myself Like, literally, I was like, I don't, I don't know myself. And, like, I could pinpoint, you know, I've always been non-monogamous. Like, I've never been Mm -hmm. monogamous. Like, I'm just not designed to be monogamous. And then all of the toxic and not healthy relationship things that people have tied to monogamy just is like, oh, I, I don't want any parts of it. But mm-hmm. I know, I'm fortunate, I know some people who have been in very healthy monogamous marriages or long-term monogamous partnerships. And so, I'm not saying that everyone who's monogamous is in a toxic relationship. I'm just saying that a lot of monogamous relationships could use some relationship education. That's just, that's the mildest way I can say it. Because I don't want to shame anyone, but I'm also not going to partake in any monogamous relationships at all. Because it's just not who I am. It's not how I was designed. It's not meant for me. So, I had some anchor relationships and or nesting relationships that appeared to some as monogamous relationships when they were not. And those relationships, I found that I lost myself in them. In the name of things that society says is true love. Or society says is if you really love someone you do things that are more monogamous like and so in those relationships where I compromised my own natural desires and my natural way of being in a relationship I found Mm -hmm. that I lost myself and so I got out of a marriage where my husband had tried to kill me it's the only time I've ever been married And I was like, I don't even know who the fuck I am. I don't know how I even woke up and was married to a man that tried to kill me. Like, I made those choices. Nobody held a gun to my head and made me marry him. Nobody forced me to believe that he was my husband. Like, these are choices I made all on my own. How did I fucking get here? And how do I make sure that I don't lay in another bed with a wolf in sheep's clothing, ever again unless that's the kinky fetish play that I consented to right so (laughs) that journey led me to some I decided that I needed to be celibate for six months like absolutely no sex with other people So, there was a lot of self-exploration, and I grew up in a sex-positive household that was sex-positive specifically to make sure that the children in this house were educated and wouldn't be sexually abused for not knowing what sexual abuse was. So, Mm -hmm. we were encouraged to masturbate privately, you know, and so I've been masturbating since I was 11, and I thought I knew my body very well. Keyword, thought. (laughs) So, then I took some courses and learned about um, oming with myself and oming with partners, um, which at the time I was still doing my celibacy, so I didn't do partner oming. And then when my six months self-imposed six-month restriction was up I started dating and this new guy who I'm still dating now just gave me a little peck like literally it was just a little like three-second peck no tongue his mouth was closed he wasn't like fondling me anywhere else on my body and I fucking orgasmed. And I was like, is there something wrong with my body? How can one little three-second peck on the back of my neck be the catalyst to an orgasm like that? Because my body doesn't orgasm that quick mm-hmm. ever before. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, what's wrong with me? Like, I must be broken, right? My body is broken. No. No. My body's not broken my body was just telling me hey that's that spot maybe you should protect that spot (laughs) so it led me into exploring like books and any sort of intellectual information i could find on pleasure and sexual health and also on the flip side like i was getting counseling because i was like i feel like in my marriage that he groomed me into the abuse because it didn't start that way and so I wanted to figure out how to see those red flags earlier rather than when you're being beaten and suffocated to death like that's that's not the ideal time to see the signs right like it's a little too Mm -hmm. late (laughs) um yeah so through that at the same time I would use personal time masturbating as my reward for doing all of this mental work and education and paying for courses and paying for events. And like I've had tons of wonderful vulnerable experiences where there's groups of 10 people, five people, 20 people, rooms of 40 people. Like I learned, um, about like yoga for, Getting in tune with your own body and learning to listen to the tip of your fingertip. What is my fingertip telling me? Today, my fingertips are telling me that we're not having a bad arthritic day because my arthritis pain usually Mm -hmm. shows up in my hands. So we're having a good day. My hands are not hurting today and I didn't have to take pain meds. (laughs) But like just the realization of learning to listen to every part of your body, including the messages that your body sends you your body is talking to you your body tells you when you're not in in a safe environment your body tells you when maybe the environment's not unsafe but you're just not happy there maybe the environment's not necessarily an unhappy environment but you're just kind of bored well then leave you don't have to stay out of quote-unquote niceness and i had to Mm. learn that this whole concept of being nice and not hurting someone else's feelings can sometimes be self damaging because now you're betraying your own boundaries, your own consent, and then when you go home and you have this guilty feeling like you have to figure out, did I cause this for myself? Or did someone else cause this and then if you're the reason that you caused it how do i not do that to myself anymore i need to learn how to not betray myself in the name of sparing someone else's feelings or doing what society says is nice or proper like no Mm -hmm. if i don't want fucking pizza i'm just gonna be nice and say no thank you i don't want pizza but i appreciate it i'm gonna go home and have an apple like you know whatever So, then I was, like, realizing in these events that other people didn't have a sex-positive household. They didn't have parents or guardians or uncles and aunties or even educating because i was that girl in high school passing out condoms that could call her parents and be like hey my friend Corey needs condoms he's a hoe and he doesn't want to make babies and my mom or my dad would show up with a box of 36 condoms to give to Corey. awesome (laughs) so it was like it was like a realization that like if i have this information and all of these adult people don't have this information and half of the information I have was the information I had as a child about sexual health and that sex is for your pleasure. Mm-hmm. I need to help other people have this information. And that's mm-hmm. that's where it started.
0: Why don't you tell me what the year before COVID was like for you as a sex coach and so, speaker? So,
1: hella fun is not a word, but I'm saying it as one word. It was hella fun. <laughs> people come and... And they take seriously the information you offer them, and then they come back and give you feedback about Mm. how it changed their life for the better because they went and applied it to their sexual health or their boundaries, mm-hmm. or their consent, even like, you know, boundaries and consent is important, not just in your sex life, but at home with kids, or at home with family, or at work with co-workers, like, boundaries mm-hmm. and consent is something that should be at the forefront of our minds, and mm-hmm. so last year was meeting you, it's like summer camp, and then like getting to spend like downtime in the evening when we weren't cramming our brains full of like educational stuff and like Mm -hmm. learning about our bodies for fun when that wasn't class time. I just feel like super blessed and this last year before COVID when I was at a conference I purposely made time to be aware of connections at conferences and camps that felt like they were meant to be connections that I'm supposed to keep and you were one of those. And so before last year, I always felt like I missed out because I wasn't paying attention to that because I was so focused on the education aspect of why I was at whatever event I was at. And I was so focused Mm -hmm. on just presenting and At some point, I, you know, I had to do some soul searching, like, I was sort of feeling some burnout, and I was like, it's important Mm -hmm. that I keep doing this, so why am I feeling burnt out? And then I was like, it's because I'm meeting these awesome people, but I'm not getting to continue those connections after the event. And so Mm -hmm. it was like, last Mm -hmm. year was about being able to balance presenting, also learning, and being a social person who's meeting these other amazing presenters and or attendees and listening to the connections that seemed like they should last for more than just that week. And yeah, um, I feel like I did a good job at that because like, like right now I can say that through this COVID stuff, some of the new people I met last year, have been mentally more supportive than people I've known my whole fucking life. Mm. <laughs> so, it's a blessing. But like, you have to like take the time to like listen and pay attention. And like, life can't be all about just you know, work and nothing else. It's about right. balancing it.
0: And I think so, yeah. But I, th-
1: I'm mourning the loss right. of our events. Same more well that. this twenty twenty I had worked very hard and had a very hectic schedule where I was gonna have two to three events per month and twenty twenty was the year of me having a resume that was worthy of asking for payment for my time where Mm. 2019, 2018, 2017, 2016 was me being a baby and I was a new presenter and I didn't have experience. And so just the opportunity itself felt like payment to me. I didn't ask Mm -hmm. for like payments. um, Mm -hmm. And I didn't like, Push the envelope on like being able to also vend at these events, mm. and all of my vending canceled for 2020. Like, right. I can't, I can't even really, really. I hadn't, I've intentionally not added up how much money I lost this year because I know the number is just gonna be depressing. <laughs> like, nah we just, mm-hmm. I know ballpark what it was per month. We'll just leave it at that. I'm not actually going to like add it up, but it was like, it's not about the money either, but it was exciting that I've been doing this work and I've been building a resume and I've been building clients. Mm-hmm. And now the ball was about to like really be rolling like a nice. And I had learned to be able to manage going to a conference for four days and then coming back home to real life to being a mom and managing my poly relationships that are local and that are long distance. Like it's been a real learning curve the last four years to change my life. Mm -hmm. And now we're all having to change our life yeah, (laughs) and not, you know, be our natural social selves and, and be creative. I will say Marco Polo is a godsend. Like, totally. if it wasn't for Marco Polo, I might have lost my mind already. So how has it been for you?
0: Um, Marco Polo's helped. A lot of messengers have helped. Video calls have helped. As I said last session, hot baths have helped. Um, I have a chinchilla, so mm-hmm. pets help. Um, sun tanning. I'm very fortunate it was the summer because going and like moisturizing my skin and then just like sitting out in the sun and just like baking for a little bit for like maybe 15, 20 minutes. Not so long that I like actually get burnt or anything, but just, you know, long enough to put some like just a little dusting of like melanin into my skin. It's just important for my mental wellness. But uh, all those things sort of help give me touch needs and they help give me support. So, yeah, that's definitely helped a lot trying not to lose my mind at home i've been trying to build my web business you know just doing websites and stuff but that's uh not doing as well because people don't have as much money to spend in the pandemic so it's like i've just been trying to like Mm -hmm. stay calm stay as sanitary as possible when i go out and just like yeah i think everyone's kind of in that boat at first at least of like i'm just trying not to lose my shit And then at some point that diverges and changes as, like, people get partners or families who have it. And, like, it's only going to keep going over time, right? So until we get to a vaccine or something, which is not looking like anytime soon, um, this is... we got to all be careful because it's just one of those things. And, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously I'm not doing any speaking either. Like, it's the same same sort of story. I also had an accountability process come up for... um, emotional abuse in my last relationship just like during conflict and especially towards the end of that relationship Mm. there were you know behaviors I'm not proud of so I'm just um working through that and I obviously shouldn't say much about it but suffice it to say I'm working through trying to take more accountability for behaviors of mine that I you know don't agree with that are not in line with my values um so I wasn't doing any speaking anyways but uh yeah It's a really weird time for me, like dealing with an accountability process in any position, whether you're mediating, whether you're, you know, like any position is going to be some degree of stressful. Obviously, we should center survivors and they're the ones who have it hardest, but uh, any kind of conflict or mediation like that, it's going to be stressful. Add to that, that I'm being, you know, sued as the director of Metro Vancouver Kink for defamation as has been ongoing for years. Um, And then you add to that, you know, the pandemic and you add to that, you know, getting laid off from my job due to COVID. Like, it all adds up to being a lot. So I'm just I'm just trying to keep my head down and just like be like, cool. Try not to panic. Take a hot bath. Scream into a pillow if you need to. But like at the end of the day, wash your hands.
1: (laughs) Right. And don't forget your mask.
0: Of course, I have spare masks in my car. I have, um, so I'm one of those weird people that likes being cute all the time. So I have vanity masks that I literally ordered from China in March and they got here um, in like late April, early May. And I got ones that have like smiles on them and I got ones that have like vampire fangs. I got one that has a pig nose and it just like depends on how I'm feeling on a given day. I'll just put on a mask that like feels a little bit more expressive Um, And you know you you get one of two things you either get the people staring at you or you get the people that like smirk And and then you get all the people that do like the double or triple take because they like can't believe you have a giant like You know um, black and white like pig's nose on your face, but I mean they're more common now They were very uncommon when I first got them in April like people weren't even fully adopting masks yet Let alone vanity masks, but I'm very fortunate to live in um, Richmond BC um and the mask adoption here has been excellent we have some of the lowest numbers in the lower mainland for covid um obviously we're hitting the second spike now so things are back on their way up we're at a record high in the province like we're we're struggling but uh it could be so much worse and you can't run from it forever in a sense you know like you can minimize the damage it does but like it's one of those things where like we're in this weird state of flux where we got to change the way we we operate and the only silver lining is the changes we're making now will hugely improve our ability to quickly respond to infectious disease in future meaning as much as it is terrifying and Mm -hmm. anxiety-inducing and difficult for so many folks like flu season used to kill people's parents um and I honestly think with these changes that we're rolling out, we're going to see of way fewer flu related deaths in future. So I'm trying to see a silver lining. I'm trying to be positive. And thanks to my mental health meds, I'm able to, you know, not panic and see things a little more, hopefully. Um, but, yeah, that's how it's been for me. It's just been a weird time where there's just been a clusterfuck of lots of different stressors, like socially, the accountability thing and financially, the job layoff. And then, you know, financially, the, the lawsuit and then. You know, in terms of like hope and depression and anxiety, it's like, fuck, like all my loved ones. And, you know, my mom's super vulnerable and I just can't seem to get her to do all the things, you know, like I got her really nice soap and like encouraged her to wash her hands. And she's been doing that. And like she wasn't wearing a mask for the longest time. Not that it really protects her. Masks seem to primarily protect other people, but Even just for modeling, like if you're a person who desperately needs the protection, like wear a mask just to encourage other people to wear the mask, right? When people look around and see lots of masks, they're more likely to comply, so... I got her a mask because she didn't even mm-hmm. have masks that fit her face. You know, being a, a little old Indian woman, you know, my lovely Tamil mom, she didn't fit most of the masks out there that um, people had gifted her. They'd give given her all these blue, you know, dental-shapeable masks. They did not fit on her face with how small her nose is, so... Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we had to, um, I managed to get her a couple of my vanity masks that were a little size, were a size smaller and they fit her much better. They're a little too small on me, but they still work, um, but they fit her perfectly. So I've been doing grocery runs for her and trying to be supportive and like doing my best to like minimize her exposure. But it's like, it comes back to that Mm -hmm. protocol fatigue. At the end of the day, she lives like a 40 minute drive away from me and driving all the way out there to do her groceries. You know, and do an extra you know hour and a half of shopping, and then carry them up up her building. I mean, she's she's older, and like she can't shop for as much at once. And I've literally had whole evenings where like my whole job that evening is like I drive out there, I you know I go shopping, I get her all the things that she needs, carry them all up to her place, and it's like two three trips, and they finally get there, and then I I help her put them away, and it's sort of like I know I'm exposing her. Like even when I wash my hands, it's like it's weird. I just, I don't know how to feel about it. Cause it's like, I should be leaving them at the door, but she just doesn't get to see anyone. And I'm like anxious about her lack of friends to be perfectly truthful. I, she's never had a super strong social network in my opinion. And I worry about her immensely. And it's like, I just want her to be well and I want her to have what she needs, but like she wants to go outside and it's only summer for another, you know, two weeks at most and then we're into october my goodness time flies so i'm just i'm trying to keep i'm trying to keep like a lid on it as it were but like give myself space to grieve give myself space to scream mm-hmm. give myself space you know to be angry at the world for the trash fire that is all these you know you you know better than than i'm sure most people like the trash fire that is you know white folks talking about how non-racist mm-hmm. they are um And I just, Mm -hmm. you know, like, I've been racist in the past. I can own that. I can own that, you know, I've been called in by indigenous folks and black folks and, like, anti-blackness and anti-indigeneity are fucking threads through our society. And, like, it's not about being a perfect person. It's about owning the shit you do wrong and getting better and hoping that the relationships that you've damaged by not by you know being human, by just being a product of your society, that those relationships are fixable rather than going to this really fucking defensive place of being like, you know, you don't you want to pretend that you're perfect. So it's just like, I don't know, I'm just frustrated at the world. <laughs> Trying to give myself space to have my feels. To, to Long story short, trying to give myself space to have my feels, trying to do all the self-care I need to do, and trying to just get through the day. That's, that's how it's been for me. Yeah,
1: I'm, I'm at, um, if I wake up and the best I can do is minimize harm to myself or others, I've done great. That's all I need to do today. That's it. That's the goal for every day. Minimize harm. <laughs> Be nice yes. to myself. Yeah, <laughs>
0: That's a good day. So talking about all these things that we've sort of lost, I want to go back to the things we had cuz I want to be I want to practice gratitude and be really grateful for those things that we did have. Um being able to go to Sex Geek Summer Camp with you was a gift and <laughs> I remember being so frustrated when you liked all the content on my social media feed and you took the number one spot for most social media posts. I was like why isn't ABC so much cleverer than me? Why didn't I just do that? That's so smart. <laughs> I like put all this energy into making social media content and was like diligent. I was posting all the time, and I was, you know, I'm Canadian. my My phone plan was like weird roaming stuff, so I was like, I had to try and get on Wi-Fi, and the Wi-Fi was super spotty. And like, I had the system down for like the types of social media posts that I could actually make with my phone because I couldn't do picture posts, mm-hmm. even though they get more follows. And I remember being like. Oh, intimacy is really helping with my numbers by like liking all my posts. And then at a certain point, um, I realized that it was the same number of points to like like a post as it was to make a post. And I was like, ah, dang. Right. (laughs) Got done fucked up. (laughs) I just remember when you when you clinched first. I remember being like, Yeah, there's a smart person that I should spend more time with.
1: One, let me extend my apologies for stealing first place from you.
0: You do not have to apologize for that. But also,
1: I would like to explain why my brain made that its destination and what the map looks like of trying to figure out how can I be a part of this contest. So I was a Mm -hmm. volunteer at camp, which means I not only was I at camp as an attendee, but I also Mm -hmm. was working the camp. So I had to juggle being a student and being a volunteer and then being a guest on I think like two or three of the presentations from other presenters. Okay. I can do this, so I can't have my phone with me all the time because I'm like, I I take my jobs seriously, but I want to be in the Twitter contest, and I'm not even fucking good at Twitter. I love Twitter, but I wish I was better at it. How am I going to do this? And we were in grad class, and someone else said, well, I'm just going to like all of the posts by following the hashtag. And I was like, oh! I can do that. But then Mm. I never had time to do it. Never had time to do it. Never had time to do it until that evening before the contest was over. Mm -hmm. Like it was like two or three hours before the contest ended and we were just chilling and I was just (laughs) laying on the floor, like learning from you and thinking like this person's amazing. And all of the other people that were in our circle, like right there on the floor were like amazing people. And I was like, Grab your phone. Now is the time. Look up the hashtag and like every fucking post there is. At least give it a try. I didn't think I was going to win. I literally was shocked <laughs> when they were like, Intimacy, and I was like, Intimacy, what? What? I want, really? I, want, I thought it was going to be Victor. <laughs> so, my apologies. It wasn't my plan to beat you. It was my plan to try to win.
0: <laughs> the fact that you were you were working you were working with so much less than i had like i had so much more time and the fact that you were volunteering and that you were at a huge disadvantage and that you won like in spite of that like i think that really shows like how much you bring when you show up to do something that you want to do and i think it just underscores that you just make shit work and that's a skill that can't be taught so props thank to you, you for winning you.
1: i think it's about being able to learn how to actually execute your intention instead of your intention just being a thought in your brain that you don't actually execute
0: mm. mm-hmm.
1: say more on that so yeah it's 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 a uh, it's like self-discipline i want to do this thing now i have to find whatever it is inside of me to just do the thing instead of just saying, I want to do it, and then it not getting that.
0: Mm, yeah. So circling back to Sex Geek Summer Camp, I found that it's pre-COVID, right? So you have this group of sex educators, talented, sexy, lovely people. And a lot of us are sluts. Oh, like, yeah. A lot of us are sluts. And we have an orgy room. So the the fact that we were able to like go to the orgy room and just like kiss and make out and cuddle and have sex if we want to. And we, like it's so great to just be among sex educators, you know, because ultimately you are there learning things like consent and learning things like negotiation. So you get all these folks who are like, yeah, I'm comfortable negotiating on the fly. Yeah. I'm comfortable You know, voicing my boundaries, and you know, like, here are the things I need to work on, and here are the things I am working on, and here are the things I've worked on, and like, can you work with that? And you just have such a good, you have the land, like, the landscape and the lay of the land is just revealed to you. Like, people will just tell you where they are often. And I mean, obviously, this is no guarantee for folks who go to Future Sex Geek Summer Camp. Um, but um, My experience of it when I went was that folks knew who they were they Usually knew what they wanted and when they didn't they were willing to say so and it was that It was that self knowledge that gave me security and I was able to pursue so much more intimacy and Yeah, it was just this like wonderful environment and and the fact that we were encouraged if you don't want to go to class don't go to class Like the fact that Reed was just like, I encourage you to skip. I encourage you to go to the pool and, you know, do some skinny dipping. If you're just like, this is not for me. The
1: self-care like (sighs) Reed is awesome. Like how Reed makes it easy for people and empowers you to listen to your Mm self-care is a gift. Yeah, it really is. This is going to sound so strange when I was blessed to learn from you in the exhibit that you allowed me and others to witness regarding oh, yes. penises.
0: Yes. You can talk about this. It's the totally opportunity
1: fine. to learn from you in our leisure time in the orgy room about how to pleasure a penis and different parts of the penis and where to touch the penis and how to touch the penis and even how to have that ongoing consent conversation with a penis owner about, does this feel good? Do you want more of this? Do you want this faster or slower or rougher? So I took all of those things that I learned and brought them forward to my current lovers who have penises and my hand game is a is a life changer now they're like wow like when you put your hand on me it feels like your mouth and i'm like really Aww. <laughs> well thank you because i would much rather put my hands on you than my mouth cuz like just for me i just don't really care for penises in my mouth i just don't um, and i'm not knocking it it's just it's just ain't my thing but i know what my things are i like penises mm-hmm. in my hands It's a thing. Mm -hmm. It's always been a thing. But I never really knew what to do with it in my hand. Mm -hmm. But I always like my hand to be on the penis. Well, now I have a whole repertoire of things that I can do to your penis just with my hands. So thank you very much.
0: You're so incredibly welcome. I'm so happy to hear that that was the case for you, that you learned so much. Like I'm that's that's really wonderful to hear and I'm happy it's made a difference. Personally, I don't actually really enjoy having my penis in people's mouths very much. Um, I know it's weird a lot of people are like what are you talking about and I'm like I don't know it's just not really my thing I think I'm just really sensitive and like and then of course you get like the avalanche of people being like you just haven't been stimulated by the right person and it's like just let people know their own bodies and do their Mm -hmm. own thing like Yeah, if I were interested enough in it I would probably go out and find lots of mouths that want to try lots different things and it's a thing I could do Um, and Currently, I'm really satisfied with the kinds of sex acts I do and the kinds of sex I have. I feel really satisfied with that, and I don't feel a personal desire to change. But, you know, one day I might be like, I need to explore different things. And on that day, ladies who have said, <laughs> you know, that I just haven't been, you know, sucked off by the right person, I will contact you then. But until that time, <laughs> I am very happy with what I have. So
1: Yeah, and I think, I think that that's something that is not taught enough is just trust people when they tell you about their body like mm. don't yeah argue with them don't try to coerce them just trust mm. them well this has been wonderful and lovely and it has. i don't want to stop but i need to cut it short and deal with my family yes yeah.
0: that's 100 percent okay so how was it intimates did you love something you heard, or maybe you're upset by something I said? Leave your comments on facebook.com slash interactions, or you can go to patreon.com slash victorsalmon where you can find our Discord server. All of these communities are available on intimatepodcast.com, and I genuinely look forward to speaking with you soon. If you liked it, please consider helping us pay for show costs over at Patreon for as little as $1 per month. It's incredibly helpful, it's just a dollar a month. If you can afford it, we would hugely appreciate having your support. And hey, if that doesn't work for you, I completely understand. You can also help out by going to leave a review on iTunes or other favourite social media platform. Social proof like that helps so much with visibility and audience building. It helps other intimacy and relationship nerds find us. And if any of that just sounds like too much work, you can always do something really simple and it still goes a long way. Something like just tapping share and sending an episode that you liked, maybe a favorite, to a friend or partner, or maybe you can send them something you think they might really like. That's probably more considerate. (laughs) Thanks so much for your time and for your help in keeping us making more of intimate interactions. Oh yeah, I almost forgot. The intro music was Driving in the Rain by Timecrawler, and this outro music is Acoustic Blues by Jason Shaw.